Okay, while we pass those trays about, we are going to make our transition into our workshop time. Now, to start us out, we, you, you've got little uh, notebooks here or whatever you want to call them uh, on your tables, the One Another Workshop. You'll see that we're going to be broken into three different sessions. Number one is making the connection. Number two is making the plan. And number three is making it work. This will be very basic, basic steps, getting us going and getting us started. So we're going to start out right now with making the connection. Some of us will be starting discipling relationships for the first time, and some of us will be reestablishing or maybe realigning our relationships. Now, to help kind of illustrate this point, I'm going to have Dave and Stanley. Where are they? Dave Miller. Okay, here he comes. Stanley, did he ever show up, or did he still think at 1030? No, here he is. All right. All right. Now... Dave and Stanley have had a, a discipling relationship for a, a while now, and they've been able to develop it. Go ahead and have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. Yeah. Uh, however, for our benefit, they have reconstructed that first time they got together. That first time to kind of hammer things out, to kind of help us get started as we start to talk about making the connection. <laughs> Wow, free coffee. It's good to see you, Stan. Well, it's good to see you, too. Wow. This, well, you know what? This is the largest Starbucks I've ever been in. Isn't it huge? It is pretty big. I've never been to Starbucks. But. Yeah. So, so it's good to be together. Yeah. So I know you made contact with me some time ago. Yeah. What, what um, you... a couple, yeah, a couple of days ago. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So what was it you were thinking uh, we could do? How, could, how can I help you? Um, well, you know, I'm just trying to get more spiritual, you know, mm -hmm. um, just trying to get one with God, okay. uh, feel those kind of vibes all the time, you know, so just okay. wondering if you can do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've been around the block a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Face some challenges and That's come good. through some stuff. Uh, got a lot of input. Yeah. Been discipled by a lot of people. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> But so is there any particular area that you feel you're, you're weak in that maybe I can help or? Um, you know, just want to get more spiritual, you know, um, trying to figure out what that really means. Um, listen to some great music, you know, like Hillsong and stuff like that. And it helps me a little bit. But I just want to be able to, you know, just get a little more spiritual uh, with God and, and experience God every day, you know, when I wake up, when I go to sleep, stuff like that. So. All right. Well, we'll figure that out. Yeah. We'll figure that out. What about, when do you think we could uh, get to, what would be a good time for you? Wouldn't it be a good um, day, time? Well, let's see. I work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday all day, and I have homework. Then Tuesday, Thursdays are my heaviest days, so I, I wouldn't know what I mean right. then. Um, Saturdays, you know, to be honest with you, I just, just want to relax, you yeah. know, unwind. Yeah. Catch up on Netflix. Um, <laughs> well, I know you've gotten, you've contacted me a couple of times about trying to get together like 10, 10 a.m. or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I work Monday through Friday, like that's eight true. to five, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I reconsidered that. I don't really think that was uh, too smart for me because I'm also trying to get more sleep. Probably wouldn't have been too smart for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to get more sleep. I haven't been sleeping well, so... Um, 
Sundays. How about Sunday after church? You know, Sunday after church, that's, that's the thing. That's when I sleep, after church. <laughs> and then after well, that... I'm glad to see you making it to church. <laughs> and then after that, I have homework. So it's like, just getting ready for the next week. So Sunday's out. Yeah. Um, Saturday's a good open day for me. What about Saturday? Saturday, you know, like I said, I'm... Uh, okay, I'll tell you what. You name the time, time, day... There is, there is one time, but... I don't know if I should do that. Uh, it's Tuesday. I'm willing. At, whatever, whatever it takes, Dan. Let's Tuesday at 3.46 a.m. What? <laughs> okay. Oh. May, maybe we can it, work it something be, else yeah, out. But first can, time, you, know, <laughs> you may have, I may have to give me a call. And we so. can play by ear week to week because, you know, some days, that's just, like I said, Tuesdays are my hardest days. You know, okay. I'm trying to, all right. trying to get some sleep that day. But all right. All right. We'll play it by ear. Okay. Well, okay, that, we'll, we'll do that, we'll do that. Yeah. But, so when we get together, mm-hmm. um, I know, you know, I've had some experience with the spiritual discovery thing. I've been getting into that, yeah. learning about relationships and oh, how to kick bad habits, things like that. Yeah. Does that sound like something, would you want to do something like that? Or as a starting um, point, maybe we could just start there. Um, you know, I mean, I was thinking maybe you could just like recommend some scripture for me, maybe... Some songs I haven't heard. Um, and then I can just take that with me, like listen to it, oh. meditate with it, stuff yeah, like that. Okay. And okay. Just kinda, yeah, we could do that. Kind of put that. in my, I know. work myself to get more. I know you've, you've got quite the relationship going with Jasmine now. Hey. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> That's going good. I mean, how about, how about a little help there? I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I've been married in the church. I mean, That's true. But if you think about it, it's almost been six months. And we've been fine, so I mean, we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm looking forward to getting with you. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. All right. All right. Thank you. Now, that's the way to have a discipleship time get started, huh? <laughs> Okay, so it's really, you know, this part, Tracy and I are going to be talking about making the connection. And Jesus was really great at making connections. And he went after his discipling, discipleship relationships. And when he first called his disciples in Mark 1, verses 17 and 18, it says, he said, Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And then in Luke 6:46, he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And even while Jesus was calling, his, calling them to be his disciples, he laid out expectations for their relationships, right? So, yeah, he said, Come follow me. And he gave them a purpose. And why don't you do what I say? Okay, and he, so, you know, what are we going to learn from Jesus? And it's not apples to apples, all right, because there's no one here that is the Lord and calling those that would soon be his apostles. So that's not the case. But the principle is the why. I mean, so many things that we do, we have to ask why. So, like, in making the connection, why are we here and what do we want to get out of this relationship because expectations are important to know. It's good to know what you expect of me. It's good to know what I can do for you, how I can help you to grow. Because when, when expectations are not expressed, 
you know, that's where Satan gets in, and he gets a hold of us, and he gets our, he makes us go, well, you know, well, she should know. She should know. She's been a disciple, you know, since Moses, or she was one of the first 12, or, you know, and, you know, so it's just like, you know, just one of those things of, well, she's, you know, she's been in the church a long time, so she knows what she needs to ask me, instead of going, yeah, let me just, what do you need from me? And also, sometimes when expectations are expressed, but they're just unrealistic expectations, that can really hurt a relationship as well. Because we can't take on everything. What we're here to do is to help each other to grow, to help each other to get to heaven. That's, that is the goal. That, but the why is how do we make the connection and really help each other to do that. So, and Tracy's going to talk about what to get out of the relationship. Okay, so appreciate uh, Dave and uh, Stanley telling us, you know, Dave was trying to say, what do you expect? And Stanley was just like all over the stratosphere, but he would never come in for a landing. And like what Phyllis is really expressing there, you, you need to know why you're there. And, and we need to think through with each other why we're here, uh, whether we're starting that relationship, sometimes redefining our relationship. We say, you know what, Let's, this has been a great friendship relationship. We need to keep that. Let's make it discipling now. And asking that very simple question, what would you like to get out of this? What do you want to get out of this relationship? And define it. Now, uh, it, it's... What, where do we want? Now, don't stress out over you. i got to come up with something maybe right now at the first time we get together. You know, maybe Dave threw Stanley off a little bit. You know, caught him off guard. If you know something, well, then go for it, right? But if not, really think through. Say, okay, if I'm going to get in a discipling relationship uh, with Derek, what do I need Derek to help me with? What do I want to ask him to hold me accountable for? Okay. No, I get to ask you, Derek. You don't get to quit that rubbing your hands together. Right, right. But think through, why am I here? I want to make this worth my time, and I want it to make it worth their time. And not just get together and go, so, uh, you know, we'll work it out as we go. We'll figure something out as it happens. You know, that type of a thing. Now, the church is going to help us focus on some things here in the coming months. So we're about to make the transition from discipleship into prayer. And then after that, we'll transition into the Word of God and the Bible study. And so, as a church, we are going to be working on some things. And that discipling time, you can help each other grow in your prayer life. And you can help each other grow in your Bible studies and then the other subjects that come on down the line. But also, what you have as an individual. What's going on. So think through. These are very simple steps, but they're so simple, sometimes we just forget them. And just say, why am I here? What do I want? To get from this relationship. Uh, remember, the relationship is to help you grow. Okay? And walk into that with that in the areas you see you need to grow in. And we've talked about before. We don't want necessarily imposed accountability because that doesn't work very long. The only type of accountability that really works is when I go, I need to grow in this. I'm going to go after it, but... Bro or sister, I need you to help me with this. Okay? I've thought this, and this is where I want to grow. And, yeah, we can get some input on that, but, you know, because maybe I don't see, maybe I ought to grow in this first, <laughs> you know? Maybe I can get some input, but ultimately it's got to be my decision. So asking that question, 
What do I want to get out of this relationship? And then we can participate in that together so that we can grow together as a body. But if I'm getting together to disciple Reuben and I say, Reuben, this is what you need to grow in, boom, 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 Reuben may not be motivated. He may not be going after and he's either going to do it just because he's sick of me asking him about it. And that's not the right motivation. Or worse yet, he's going to start lying about his progress because I'm asking him about something he didn't really commit to in the first place. And he's tired of saying, no, I'm not doing it. So he just says it's easier just to say, yeah, yeah, bro, doing great, you know, whatever. So that's why we talk about think it, really think it through. Accountability partners, remember, whether it's two people or that group of five, someone who holds my mirror up to me so I can see myself. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm looking at myself and what do I see and how I can fix myself. So it might be help with guidance in your marriage or dating life, as Dave brought up, or, or whatever. It could be, you know, raising kids, things like that. It could be help in growing specific character things. It could be uh, impurity or anger or trust or materialism or different things like that. Just think through, what do I really need to grow in? It could be some of the Bible disciplines that, like I said, we'll be talking about in the months to come, like my prayer life or my personal walk with God and study of His Word. But think through, as you start to make the connection, what is it that I want this person to help me out with? Okie dokie. So, now, all right, so how are you going to do this? How is this going to happen? And let's just talk about some logistics right now because, you know, it's I appreciated Dave and Stanley trying to figure out a time. And even Stanley goes, well, you know, we'll just go week to week. You know what? That just doesn't really work. It just doesn't work. And we tend to think, you know, it's, it's not spiritual if, and it's not organic if we have something planned out. Well, no, it really is great to have something <laughs> planned out because then that's part of expectations. We know what, what's going to happen. And, you know, just don't settle for, hey, you know what, we'll work it out later, later, never, never is what happens. Yeah. At least that's what my mama used to tell me. And, you know, there's just what Tracy was talking about. You know, we're going to help each other to grow. And if I need to grow in my prayer life, because that's what I'm just going to use that as an example, then I'm going to ask, say, Tasha to say, hey, you know what? Hold me accountable for that. But how, how are we going to communicate? How are we going to deal with that? You know, because that's up to me to, to communicate to her. And, you know, I think the best way communication happens is face-to-face. -face. Oh, you're so old-fashioned. I am. <laughs> yep. I have my AARP card. Um, but so it's, yes, sitting down, talking face to face. And I know sometimes that can't happen. I mean, it's nice to sit down, you know, like, like Dave and Stanley were sitting down over a cup of coffee. That's a great way. And just ha take time, have a couple of hour and a half to sit and talk and share. And then, you know, if you can't, get together face to face because sometimes that happens. Another way is with modern technology is FaceTime. It's face to face but through the phone. And if one of you have germs, it's a good way to keep distance. Um, but, but then if you can't do that, then just talk on the phone. 
because you know what? When you're sitting, when you're face to face, when you're together, you're developing a closer relationship. You're becoming more intimate. You're uh, developing a closeness. You're making a connection. And that's really what's important. And I know so many young people, all they do is text. They very rarely talk on the phone. And they will, they will do everything through text. Texting is the least effective way to communicate. And a sociological study, it, it was talking about how people communicate through texting. They feel lonely. They don't feel connected. They don't feel, you know, included. But yet, hey, you know what? They're sharing all their emotions. All it is is a snapshot. All it is is just a little picture. But when you're face-to-face, -face, when you're talking to someone, even over the phone, you, you see expressions face-to-face -face or through FaceTime. You hear inflections. You can determine emotions, happy, sad, maybe a little bit confused. Or, you know, it's just... So many things happen face-to-face -face and through voice. But when, you're, if, when you are texting, you just really miss a lot. You really miss a lot. So I just think that that's a really important thing to do is to have that face-to-face -face time. And then another thing is when, you're, when you are in your one-another relationship and something just kind of goes awry, don't ghost them. How many of you know what ghosting is? <laughs> okay, well, you know, you hear about it in the dating world, but it happens within friendship worlds. It happens even in disciple, with disciples. It's like, hey, you know what? I didn't like the advice Tasha gave me. I didn't like the way it came through on that text, so I'm just not responding. You know, she calls. Whoop, I'm busy. She calls, she sends scriptures. Oh, I don't like that one either. I go, really? That's just, that's not cool. Because what you're doing is putting up a barrier. You're putting up a wall. And you're really not allowing God to work through that person that, he's, that you have in your life. So to me, I go, ghosting is rude. And if, when you have a problem, maybe you say, you know what? I need to think about and I need to pray about what you said I'm not on the same page and I want to be I'm we need to come back and visit that but no ghosting and another thing that really has to be uh, making a connection is all right so what about getting advice I think the some really great ground rules is how do you okay I may need to get some advice from you you know I might tell tell Tasha, you know what, hey, talk to Angela, Leanne, or Patty. Talk to them. They know me, you know me, but talk to them. And or if we're in the middle of a conversation, she goes, do you mind if I get some advice about this? Just ask. Ask and then, but also ask who in setting up these new relationships. I think that's, that's excellent to know because then going forward, you know, you go, yep, I gave her, I gave her permission. So anyway, those are some, and yeah, so ghost, no ghosting, be honest, and you probably won't always agree, but be respectful with one another and be okay with differences. Okay, so as we start to wrap up this section, I'm talking about just verbalize these things with each other. Don't say, well, we talked about it at the workshop, so everybody knows it and agrees it and understands it. 
right? No, you're actually having this as part of a conversation. And do we all agree with this? Are we there? And then I can verbalize, bro, I, if you call me, I will answer. Unless, you know, I'm at work or whatever, and then I'll send you that quick, I'll call you as soon as I can, ready-made text message, reply. Texting is good for quick bits of information. It's lousy, like Phyllis said, for connecting. So it's okay to text, hey, I'll call you in an hour, or I'm on the phone, I'll call you. That's, that's cool. But you make the commitment, I'll get back to you. You make the commitment, I'll meet at Tuesday morning at 3.46, what is it, what, yeah, you know, I mean, if I, if I make that commitment, I'll be there for you, bro, unless, you know, I mean, obviously, things always come up, but, but if it comes up two or three or four times in a row, then that's not coming up anymore, okay, that's, there's something else going on, make the commitment, I will be there, I will help you, if you ask me, hold me accountable for something, I'm going to hold you accountable, Okay, I'm going to do that. And then we've talked through how do we do that? How often do we do that? You know, once a week when we get together probably is not going to be the most effective. We want to get together once a week, but we, there may be other communications like Phyllis was saying in between there. I will be honest with you. And I want you to be honest with me. We may not agree, but that doesn't mean I don't get it. And that doesn't mean I'm not being honest. I don't want you to be honest. Okay. And uh, I will show you respect, and I'll be okay of the differences, if there's differences. I truly will be okay with it, uh, but I commit that to you. And then end it with a prayer. Now, this is my uh, determine where and when you meet, because some places are not conducive for prayer. Like the, even the world's biggest Starbucks. You know, two guys get together, well, we're going to pray here for, you know, 10, 15 minutes at this table. That might not be so. You say, "Well, we're going to get together and have, we're going to be in a place and a time where we can have a prayer together, and we can pray and ask God to really bless this relationship and bless our goals and purposes for this. Pray what you've talked about and pray that God will use you. Now, what we're going to do right now is move on to the next session. We're running a little bit tight, so I'm going to ask the next song. We had a song to kind of wake us up and shake some blood around, right? But we're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move to the Lutzes that are going to be talking about making a plan. We've determined, you can go ahead. We've determined this is what I want to grow in. This is what I want to do. This is where we're going to meet. This is how we're going to communicate. Now, what are we going to do when we get there? What's our plan? Josh and Michelle are going to take us into that part. Right, so imagine you were just standing up and uh, you got a lot of energy and now you're excited to be here. Whew. Should we all just stand up and then sit down immediately or are you fine? Okay, no, you're good. If, if you want to, you can. You're allowed. All right, so uh, in, in our section here, um, we're going to talk about making a plan. Can I get a little bit more volume so I don't have to try as hard here, uh, Devin? Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been sick a little bit the last couple days, uh, so uh, I'm... I'm we're going to make it work. Here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about in this session uh, making a plan. Okay, so making a plan. Uh, after you've made this connection, as uh, Tracy and Phyllis have talked about, you've set your expectations in the relationship, uh, and you've made these commitments to one another, the next step is to actually make a plan and, and to start figuring out in our discipleship times, what is this going to look like and how is this actually going to operate? And so in this session, Michelle and I want to talk about how to make some spiritual goals uh, to become more like Jesus, 
how to help one another dig a little deeper, and a little bit about how to map out an, an, an individual strategy for growth, which includes providing support and providing accountability. Um, I want to start off just with the big picture in mind. So simply said, discipleship is just about us helping each other be like Jesus. Uh, that's as simple as it can be. You know, discipleship, discipling, it's just about us helping one another be like Jesus. And in order to be like Jesus, uh, we've been given a couple of great tools uh, in the Bible to help us accomplish that goal. So we have the Gospels. And the, the, those give us in, uh, uh, you know, the, the life of Jesus and how he interacted in different situations. And, and that those are great resources for us to go back to over and over and over. In our discipleship times, it should be a very common occurrence that we're talking about how did Jesus deal with situations. Now that might, that might seem like it's an oversimplification, but really it is the crux of what we should be doing in our discipleship times. Well, you know, here's what I think about that is a way quicker gut reaction uh, to giving advice to our brothers and sisters who are in need. So what should your discipleship time look like? How should you plan it out? Well, a foundation should be, what would Jesus do in those circumstances? Uh, we also have all of the one another passages. And we've been looking at these uh, for the last month in our, uh, you know, in our sermon series. I want to just bring your attention uh, to the back of your little bulletin thing, okay? And this is an infographic of all of the one another passages that are in the New Testament. And what I would hope is that the back of this thing can help be a little bit of a guide for things that ought to be common, reoccurring, habitual practices in your times of discipleship. First and foremost, they should be a time of love. And, and we'll talk even more about what, it, well, what does that mean? Because that seems so, uh, you know, ethereal. And it, it's love. Okay, great. How do I even do that? But all of these other things should be part of the way that we treat and interact with one another in our times of discipleship. Once again, thinking about the big picture, I want to remind you of two of Jesus' biggest teachings uh, that have the word great attached to them. So we see the greatest commandment that Jesus gives in Matthew 22. That's verse uh, 37 through 40. And we know it well. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This being Jesus' greatest commandment should often inspire our times of discipleship. We often should be talking about how we can bring this to life in our relationships with one another and in our relationship with God. Not in an ever-increasing uh, desire or pursuit of more. That's not what it's about. Let's just fill it up with more and more and more and more. But it's how can I transform what I'm already doing to be more glorifying to God. In my everyday life, 
how can I make this more about the Lord? And we've got to be able to talk to one another about how we're accomplishing that and how we're going after that in our daily lives. Uh, the, the other great is the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission ought to be part of our regular vernacular as we're talking in our discipleship times. The Great Commission, of course, we know it well. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority has been given uh, to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We all know that the, the, the call to discipleship is one where we should go out and make more disciples. So our times of discipleship should be an equipping time where we're helping disciples become people who will make more disciples. Surely that's God's plan for how Christianity is supposed to spread, but it's also a way that we can be sharpening ourselves over and over and over again. There shouldn't be years and years and years and years of meeting together with your Christian friends where the mission that has been given to us is never brought up. That shouldn't be the case. It's the Great Commission for a reason, and it should be part of our common and everyday speech. But not just that, not just going out and making more disciples and baptizing them, but teaching to obey. Obedience is not easy, and it does not come naturally, but we need to be taught to obey, and that is something that our discipleship times are for. Uh, we should be thinking all the time, how can I be helping my brother or sister learn how to obey these commands and teachings of Jesus? How can I apply these vital teachings to my discipleship times? Uh, Michelle's going to now help us uh, as we learn how to dig a little bit deeper specifically in these times. Uh, so as we're making these plans in our D groups, asking good questions is very, very important. Questions help us to grow together and help us to encourage one another. In Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Asking good questions is one of the main tools we possess to really draw somebody out and get to that heart. Um, Jesus was masterful at asking questions. He asked, uh, we have over 300 recorded questions that Jesus asked in the scriptures. Um, and he really asked questions that made people think. And Jesus asked all these questions perfectly. And sometimes he even answered questions that he was asked with other questions. That's crazy. But personally, asking questions is something I feel like I'm always trying to grow in and get better at. Um, just because Jesus is such a great example, but sometimes I wish I could have all the answers already or just kind of like through osmosis collect the information that I need instead of being humble and really just asking questions and seeking to learn more. Um, so I need to ask questions. We need to ask questions. Questions are really going to help us in our discipleship times together. So we all know that there are different types of questions. If you take a test, you have your true, false, short answer, multiple choice, or the dreaded essay question. At least for me, it was dreaded. Um, and in our conversations with people, uh, we can ask questions that produce different responses. 
So some are more effective than others. Uh, you can ask an open-ended question versus a yes-no question. So uh, these two questions, you're, you're kind of trying to get at the same thing, but you get very different answers. If you, if you ask, did you find some time to pray this week? Or how did it go with being intentional about your prayer times this week? Um, you can ask questions that maybe unintentionally put someone on the defensive versus questions that are really seeking to understand and learn. So um, an example of that, why haven't you been praying? Or uh, what do you think is keeping you from praying like you want to be praying? Two very different uh, responses that you're going to get from those questions. Uh, Tracy and Josh have been sending out some great D-group notes, but this is just a guide, and it's our job to really make it our own and go through those and, and determine which questions and how we're going to be asking these things. Um, so here's an example of a D-group structure that uses different types of questions to really guide the discussion. So I'm going to walk through the outline and then give an example of how this might work. And this outline came from a, a training lesson that Chris Silman gave to some of the campus ministers. Um, so the first thing you want to do is pray, and then set the tone of your discussion by reading a scripture. And now we'll use uh, four main types of questions to really draw a person out and to um, get to a plan of growth. So the first type of question you want to ask is a fact question. This is your who, what, where, when, and you're, you want to collect some details, collect some facts, and you're just listening at this point, um, not giving any advice yet. The next question you want to ask is a feeling question. What did you feel? Um, how are you feeling? And with this question, we're creating a space for um, the people to share their hearts, for all of us to share our hearts. And, uh, we're still listening. We're not offering any help yet. Uh, we're creating this space for vulnerability. The next question is, what is your plan for growth? So first we want to give um, the group a chance to come up with uh, their own plans for growth. And then the group can kind of help shape those responses and give some insights and input at that point. The final question we want to ask is, how can I help? This question establishes how the group can keep each other accountable. And whoever is leading the group, it doesn't matter, we should all be answering these questions vulnerably um, and, and being open to input from each other. Um, and then after that, close uh, your time together by asking for prayer requests and then praying together. So an example of how to use these four types of questions could look something like this. First is the fact question. Um, and so the example I'm going to use is uh, your times with God. So a fact question could be, what did your times with God look like this week? And maybe the response is, eh, they were okay. So if that's your response, you want to do a little bit more digging on the fact level question. Um, so something like, uh, what does just okay mean for you? Or um, uh, how is the consistency going? Or what's the, your depth of engagement? Um, and maybe the answer is, um, I'm having trouble being consistent and making time for them. So at this point, we're just gathering facts and not offering any input yet. Um, and then you can move on to the feeling question. How do you feel like this is affecting your relationship with God? Honestly, I'm feeling a little disconnected. And with the feeling question, we're drawing out, getting closer to that heart, but still holding off on the input um, to make this the most effective that we can. At this point, if you want to use a bridge question to get to that next stage, um, you could say something like, 
So you're feeling a little disconnected and inconsistent. Do you feel like if you improved your consistency, that would help you feel more connected? Why or why not? And then this will lead us into the final question, or not the final question, but um, the next question category, which is what is your plan for growth? So in our example, you could ask, what is something you could do to help with your consistency? And after they take a stab at answering that question, um, then you move on to the group to, to give some input. So maybe they're a little unrealistic and say like, okay, I've only been spending you know, three days in the Bible, but I think every day I'm gonna block out four hours, have a four hour quiet time. That might be a little bit unrealistic. Um, or maybe I can't, no, I just can't even read my Bible at all. Um, that's also you know, not where we want them to be. So um, the group at that point is then helping to shape um, it come up with a good plan that they can um, that they can do. So then that's going to lead us to the last question, which is how can I help? And um, this is the question that is is able to really keep us accountable in this area. Um, so maybe it's texting them a scripture, um, praying for them every day. Uh, asking about it at that next group, checking in at them throughout the week. This is where you really bring that one another relationship uh, plan into place. So um, now we're going to take a few minutes to interact with our tables, um, connect with two or three people that are close to you at your tables, and we're going to role play asking these four types of questions. So decide on a topic, maybe it's prayer, Bible study, one another relationships, something else that uh, you feel passionate about. Um, and ask these four types of questions. Come up with a fact question, a feeling question, a what is your plan question, and then how can I help? All right, let's go ahead and uh, gather our attention again. We'll continue on here. If I could grab your attention, everybody. Sorry, I really can't try very hard, folks. Hello. Hi. I love the circles because automatically there's so much, so much great conversation is happening. Uh, we, we love it. Maybe we should be doing this more often. This is fun. So uh, to, to close out this part of the session, we want to talk about just a little bit about making plans, uh, ma making some, some individual plans, some strategy for growth. Uh, and, and that should include providing some accountability and some support. Uh, but really, once again, uh, with, with our limited time, I, I see the most important way that we can spend it is to look at the big picture. What's the, what's the big goal that we have in these discipleship times? And I'm reminded of John 13, 34 and 35, which says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. To the world, to one another, uh, in all circumstances, our love for one another uh, will be the definitive characteristic that sets us apart from the rest of the world. Uh, now, th this love should be your strategy for discipleship. Uh, that should be your really one and only strategy that permeates through everything else that you do. 
that's why uh, in the infographic, uh, you know, on the back and in the middle of your book, uh, the, the love is the biggest portion because it's mentioned the most times. But then that should uh, thrust us into a study of, well, what, is, what does love mean in the context of the Bible? How did Jesus love? And we have to begin digging into that. And now there's a million scriptures we could look at to uh, try to talk about that. But I just wanted to look at one uh, this morning. And that's in 1 John 5, verses 1 through 4. 1 John 5, verses 1 through 4. In verse 1 it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. For God, love for God is obedience to his commands and loving his children. For us, we can't claim that we love God and then live in the darkness. We can't claim that we love God and then live however we would want to. But, however... That doesn't mean that we're then burdened by all of the commands and all of the regu regulations that we're supposed to live by in the New Testament. No, instead, understanding biblical love, we are free from burdens because we get to live within this perfect structure that he's designed for us. And really, he loves us by giving us the perfect way to live in every area of life. I want us to just reflect back, uh, reflect back and think again about the greatest commandment and the Great Commission. Uh, what do they have in common? Well, for one, uh, the greatest commandment, it's a command, right? And commands are meant to be obeyed. And obedience and love are supposed to go together. Remember uh, that in the greatest command, we're told to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul, with all of our mind. So uh, taking this definition from, from 1 John, we, we should be able to then just equate that. We should be doing our best to obey the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And that will show our love for him and our love for one another. Uh, in, in, in a like way, in, in a similar way, uh, in Matthew 28, as we talk about the Great Commission, uh, when Jesus says to teach disciples... Right? Uh, to obey everything that he has commanded. Really, I, I think that another way that we could understand that is that we should be teaching them to love everything that he has commanded. Discipleship to me is teaching other people to love what Jesus commands. To love what Jesus says. Now, in the world, there's a million things that could take away our focus. Uh, a million things that we could, be, we could be lured into a sense of this is better or that's better or this is better. But discipleship for me is loving what Jesus said. And so I want to obey it. And discipleship should be about helping others get there as well. Teach people to love everything that Jesus commanded. 
so that love and obedience become totally interchangeable in that relationship. Uh, I've got about two minutes left here, and so I just want to try to give a little bit of uh, nuts and bolts strategies on things that you can do as you're building your spiritual goals and some benchmarks. Uh, in business and in companies and uh, in education, uh, I'm sure uh, many have heard and are familiar with the acronym SMART as you're coming up with goals, you know, having SMART goals. And I just want to remind you, uh, if you do know of this and are you know, well-versed uh, in this, I want to remind you that it is a tool that can also be used in your discipleship times, and I want to give a couple examples on how that might be the case. For those who are not familiar, uh, SMART or SMART goals, it's an acronym that, it, that stands for Specific, Measurable, Actionable, I'm going to go over to my next page here. <laughs> Relevant and time-bound goals. So once, once more, that's specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and time-bound goals. A well-crafted goal will incorporate these five different things. When you're talking spiritually, uh, you've got to ask yourself the question, is my goal specific enough? Deciding, yeah, I really want to grow spiritually this year. I want to be more faithful. Those are great goals, but really they're, they're hopes. And they're not specific enough for you to really have any uh, measurable uh, growth you know, in, in that year. It's not specific enough. And so a discipleship time, you ought to help refine one another's goals by asking about how specific is this goal. Uh, we've got to ask uh, if this goal is measurable. Uh, let's say that your house church wants to be more visible in the community. Once again, that's a great goal. But how are you going to measure that? Well, you know, this year we want to have three uh, events uh, in, our, like in, in our block. Okay, and how do we make that more specific? And then you have to go further and further to say uh, how you can make your goal measurable and specific. Is it actionable? Uh, that means, you know, do you have uh, the capabilities, the resources necessary to achieve this goal? Uh, if you don't, uh, then you have to maybe uh, work a little bit harder to figure out how, how do I get to the point where I am actually able to put this thing into action? Is it relevant? You know, you might have a great goal that might not actually be the best way that you could be spending your time. Hey, you know, this year I've got a great idea. I want to start an online gaming outreach, you know, for the Champagne Church. Well, you know, we don't really need e-sport gaming outreach. You know, I, what would be great is for you to lean into a Yo Pro Bible talk. You know, that could be a great need that we're not doing any Yo Pro Bible talks right now. But, but that would be a great way that you could spend your energy and your time. That's a relevant goal. Uh, and then time bound. You know, is there a clear time frame for completing this task? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to it when I get to it. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the, the illustration that we had in the skit in the beginning. Well, yeah, yeah, let's play it week by week. No, it's got to be time bound. When are we gonna meet? When are you gonna make that difficult phone call? When are you gonna do this or that? And and those are the kind of sorts of things that we need, the accountability that we need in our discipleship times. Uh, we hope that as you make the plan, you can uh, do your very best to, uh, to ask great questions like Michelle is talking about, uh, to use these SMART goals, to be guided by love, and to keep the big picture in mind in your discipleship times. Amen.
I appreciated what Josh and Michelle did in helping us to have a plan, and I think that those are really great questions, but I really, what I took away from it all is just, you know what, that love. Having a plan, I can have a plan, I can ask, ask the right questions, but it's all got to be surrounded by love. It's all got to be surrounded by, you know what, I want to help to help you to become more like Jesus. I want you to help me to become more like Jesus. I want to help you grow. So I, you know, so I think that love, and I love in the back cover, that it, it takes up everything. It takes up everything. Love really is the most important thing. So um, what we're going to talk about now is how to make all of this work. And in our goal is to make every effort and to just be making progress. You know, in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, which it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we are not perfect. We are not going to be perfect. That is not going to happen until we are in heaven. So, we just, you know what, all of us that struggle with perfection, we can just put that aside. Because that's not going to happen. As much as you try, it's not going to happen. What is important is making progress. Making every effort in verse 8, I mean in verse 5, and then in verse 8 it says, to be growing in increasing measure. That's progress. That's progress. You know, there's this book called Habit Stacking. It's a great book, but it says, talks about in there being 1% better every day. Just 1%. How many of you can do 1% every day? Everybody. Everybody. But it does take focus. It does take, it does mean you need to have a plan. And just what the smart that Josh laid out, that is really great and effective to use. But, you know, we've got, we want to strive to grow and improve and so that we become more like Jesus. You know, we want to grow in our characters. We, I, I want to grow in my thoughts. I'm sure you do as well. In our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, and as students, as employers, as employees, or retirees. Um, we want to grow. We want to be making progress. Progress. And so you, in adding in making progress, we all have a foundation of faith. And now we want to add to that goodness. And that, and we've grown goodness, we're going to add knowledge. Because these just build on one another. Knowledge, self-control. Self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. Mutual affection and love. So we, we become more like Jesus. So in our... In our discipling relationships or in our, in our D groups, you know what? We help, to, we help each other to grow. That's where that accountability comes in. And, you know, we were talking about expectations at the beginning. So that's where you say, you know what? If I'm in a relationship with, I'm going to use Tasha again, Tasha, and we're talking about, I go, I want you, I want you to hold me accountable about my, with my prayer time. Because what I want to grow in is not pray more or whatever. I want to grow in that connection with my father. 
I'm going to study out scriptures on prayer. I want you to ask me, how am I doing on that? And that's, you know, and so that expectation is, is set, but it's like I decide. But I also may say, you know what, what are some things that have helped you to grow in your prayer life? Teach me. But all of that's up to me. That's up to me. That's not up to Tasha to make sure. All she's doing is, how are you doing? What's going on? How did you do this week? Did you have a lull? You did? All right, now what are you going to do? Or how can I help you? Those are things, because you know what? She's there to help me. So when we do try to help, you know, when we do try to help uh, each other, let's just keep in mind just the way to have some communication about that. Okay, and in that way, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, uh, that it may benefit those who listen. That's in Ephesians 4, verse 29. Our goal is to build one another up. Our goal is to encourage. It's not, my goal is not to break you. My goal is not to fix you. Our goal is not to solve all your problems. My goal is to encourage, to build up. When you look at that graphic on the, on the back of the uh, little workbook, and you look at it, find the ones that say rebuke one another. It's, it's not there. You know, find the one that says make one another perfect or fix one. It's not there. It's encourage, building, you know, build up, support, love, all these other things. That's what they to help each other. And when we help each other, we help ourselves. So whatever comes out of our mouths should be guided by this purpose. Whatever is not helpful for building other up is unwholesome talk. So sometimes we think unwholesome talk is swearing. You know, don't, don't swear. Okay, well, that might be part of it. But anything that's not useful for building others up is unwholesome talk. And I looked up that term, unwholesome talk. It's a funny term. Uh, it basically is, it means rotten, corrupt. It was used a lot to talk about fruit or meat that has gone bad. You ever had that bacon or sausage in the fridge and, you know, you get it out and you kind of unzip the ziplock that it's been in to keep it friend and take a whiff? And you say, oh, sweet pregnant Mary on a donkey. I cannot eat that thing, man. And you, you say, I got to put that up. And you know I don't want that. Maybe you don't say that, but I say that. Yeah. That's what unwholesome talk is. It's not good. And if I eat it, it's not going to build me up. I'm going to come up. Yeah, it's going to throw it up. According to their needs, and we all have needs. We've talked about how do I surface those needs? How do I get them out there? So that's why that's the importance of those earlier talks and those those kind of to let the needs. Everyone's a little bit different, not just different needs. We're different in how we uh, receive things. There are some people I know I can talk to, and they, you know, if I don't make it very gentle and very nice and very sweetly packaged, they can't even hear what I say because of how it was said. There are other people that if I do not make it the verbal equivalent of whacking them with a two-by-four, they don't even get it. And that's okay. We're, we're different according to their needs. How do people communicate? And so we're thinking through those things. So we think through how do we speak to one another. Sometimes sternness is needed, but 
Even when I can be stern, can I be stern with love and respect? Yes. I was talking with someone uh, this past week. He says, you know what? There's got to be a way to say the hard things and still show respect and love. It, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And if I have to convince you, not, 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 you, you, you know I love you, right? All right, you know, and I, 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 it's probably because I'm not showing a lot of love right now. So I got to go back and remind you. Maybe I need to think through. I can still say the direct things if it's needed according to their needs, but I can still do it in a way that can be heard, in a way that they, get, that they know they're loved, they're respected. It's the truth. That's, that's the key to speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is not the way to say, as long as I tack on, I'm, you know I love you, bro, at the end of it, I can say pretty much anything I want to. That's, that's not what that verse really, really means. We got to think through also not just what we say, but how often. There are several scriptures that talk about daily. Okay? Meaning, how you doing? How you doing? Love you. And this is a, a, a time when a quick uh, uh, message left on a phone or a quick text. Like Phyllis said, it's true. It is the worst way to build relationship and closeness. But it's a great way to say, hey, just thinking about you, bro, thinking about your sister, just been praying for you. It's good for that type of little connections. Uh, but don't count on it, like Phyllis said, to build a relationship because it doesn't really work that way. But think through how often we can get together more than we think. And Stanley's example of his busy schedule notwithstanding, we can do it. So what do we say then? Okay, how do we do it? Building the mother up. It, 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 de it depends on what we're talking about. Now, if we're talking about the spiritual disciplines, those things are more tangible. As Josh mentioned, the, they're measurable. Okay, they can be specific. Like, and these are more things that I want to increase in my life. The spirit, some of the, like my prayer life, be it frequency, be it endurance, be it uh, depth. But I can, I can kind of measure those things, or my Bible study, or, you know, what am I really getting? I can kind of measure those things. So you talk about some of those uh, things and, and, and working out, you know, how do we do this and set a plan. And sometimes, as Phyllis mentioned, you, you come up with a plan. Other times, yeah, you, your brother or your sister can help you with a plan. And you all work that out together. I know some people here, you know, they're really into, like, like Rob uh, Pinsky, he's really into praying through the Psalms. And he's really, okay, so you might say, well, I've never done that. I say, well, then I'll let Rob help me work out a plan. You know, how do I pray through the Psalms when it's not just me reading, dramatically reading the Psalms, but it's actually praying through them? How do I do that? Set those reachable, realistic goals for the week. You know, my Bible study, my prayer life, my whatever. My, like I said, some of those more tangible things. And then let them increase and build on it as you go. Now, other things you might deal with a little differently. These are more intangible things. These are more of the character things. More of the, the sin in your life types of things. It's not as measurable because, as, as Michelle mentioned, your goal is always, like, eliminate it, right? Just don't do that. But sometimes it might take us a while to get there. So Phyllis is going to talk about that. One reason I'm going to talk about it is because I've had the most experience between the two of us of studying these things out. Because um, I've had the more of the character issues and 
between us. But that's all right because that was, you know, I'm a sinner and I'm a hot mess. And I just constantly need to be working on my character. And there's just been a lot of habitual sins in my life, Uh, sins of bitterness, unforgiveness, which leads to anger, which leads to lack of trust, and which leads to, you know, what it, it leads to materialism because, I, you know what, I don't feel good over here, so I'm going over here. And so, you know, there are just a lot of things in my character I've had to just get out. When I had the Tom, my Thompson Chain Bible, I know you young people don't know what that is, but the older people do, that my Thompson Chain and... and you know, that, that was marked up and my Bible was marked up. But there are things in our lives. There's characters. They, there is habitual sin in our lives that we've got to eliminate. We've got to eliminate. You know, like I, I've shared this a number of times. You know, my anger, but my anger was out of fear. My anger was out of a fear of abandonment. My anger was out of a fear of, will you still love me? So let me do everything first. And then, see, I knew I was right. But that's not the way it works. And I had to eliminate that. I had to deal not with the anger, but the fears and the insecurities and the lack of trust. And I could only do that by studying out what does God's words say? And then how, what does it say? What does it say to me? And how am I going to apply it to my life? Because if I didn't study out especially bitterness and unforgiveness, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any friendships. And I wouldn't know that freedom. Because when you study out and you eliminate... Now, do I still struggle with these things? Yes, because you know what? Satan, he's just the mean old devil, and he throws those arrows at me. But I'm much more aware of them. And I don't like them. And there's things that I pray about constantly. And there are things that were said to me that never should have been said that come up. Come up and tell me how unworthy I am, how not good enough I am. But you know what? So those things can I can now go boom, boom, boom because of Satan. Because not because of Satan. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. But because of God's word and studying them out and being able to go. Wow. But yes, things still come up. Do I still get angry? Yeah, but it's not out of a, a fear of, of being left, a fear of being hurt. You know, it's usually out of fear of, hey, you know what? I'm just really, dis- my anger could be, I'm just disappointed. Okay, I can work through that really much, much easier now than back in the day. You know, so, but, man, my Bibles are just marked up with scriptures. Just marked up with scriptures of what God has, what God's word says and what he's done to my heart. What he's done to my, how he's renewed my mind how he's renewed my character. And that's dealing with habitual sin. And that's dealing with character. And, you know, I, I used to have a really bad temper. And it wasn't pleasant. And it wasn't even fun for Tracy to watch it happen. But, you know, if I'm in a discipleship time and I'm going, you know what, I really need to, I'm studying out anger, I really need to quit losing my temper with Tracy. You know, we're looking for progress, right? 
So instead of saying, it's kind of awkward to say this, but just bear with me. Okay. I'm not going to lose my anger with Tracy three times this week. Out of seven, three. The other four, you know, it sounds weird, I know, but it's progress. It's progress. What we want to get to is decreasing it, eliminating it. But, you know, you got to have a starting point. Am I right? Okay. You know what? I'm going to forgive him four times this week. Not three, but just four. You know, but I'm making progress. I'm not going to be bitter with so-and-so, you know, not any, you know, I'm working on it. I'm not going to be bitter, but just maybe two times this week. But you're looking for progress. You're looking, because you know what? Some of these habitual sins aren't going to disappear overnight. They just don't. We really need God's word. And we really need to be honest. We really need to say, this is what's going on. And so that you know what? You will know the truth of what's in your heart and in your mind. And you can be open about it. You can get it out. You can get help. And then you will know that truth. And that truth will set you free. And you will have the freedom in Christ that God so desires for you to have. Um, And, you know, you talk about these, like, my anger. I'm not, I'm just going to, just, I'm going to do my best not to lose my temper with Tracy. And I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to, you know, uh, maybe I'm going to, of course, be praying about setting about it, but when I'm in in my D group, I'm going to be talking about it. And if I do have a struggle, then I'm going to call my my mentor, my my one another partner. But when I have the victories, we're going to celebrate the victories. I mean, you celebrate every victory because every victory is progress. Every victory means I'm eliminating this. I'm getting this this sin up and out of my life. And God's word is getting in my heart, in my mind, and in my character. And it's like, you know what? I didn't lose my temper with Tracy but once this week. All right. All right. That's awesome. But you know what? Next week, I'm going to try for seven. I'm going to try for seven. You know what? In some weeks, I may, I may backslide. I may drift, and I may have a bad week. That's okay. You get back on your plan, and you get the people praying for you. You get the support. You get the help. But you eliminate that sin, that sin, because you know what? It's progress, and we want to. We want some things. We want all these godly characteristics to be in progress, and we're just growing and shining, and it's just wonderful. And we want the habitual and character sins to decrease. Okay? Okay. I appreciate Phyllis's vulnerability. We're gonna, uh, and that is kind of ancient history in our marriage because she really has gone, gone after it. But it's always good to know. I mean, if you've only got three forgivenesses this week, it's good to know that up front. <laughs> you know? Because if you've used them up by Tuesday, you've got to lay low, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, coming in for a landing. After we do this and we're sharing, again, our response is, what can I do to help? How can I be a support to you? When someone is being open about where they are and they've laid out their plan and they've worked out their plan and this is what I want to do and we've worked on that. Okay, now, you've got a plan. How can I help 
you. Now, this is where we can be tempted to say, oh, no, no, you don't need to do anything. This is me. I need to just do this. I don't want to be a bother to anybody. Uh, you know, you've done enough. Just pray. You know, that's kind of code for don't talk to me. Just pray. <laughs> the thing is, I want you to remember, if I do that to somebody, I'm limiting them growth. If I'm not letting them into my life to help me, I'm actually limiting a, a, a way God can help them grow. It's not more mature. It's not more selfless to say, no, 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 I don't want to bother you. Be a bother. It's actually kind of a self-protecting thing. Let other people in. So when someone asks us, what can I do? How can I help you? Let them in and let them help. Let them hold you accountable. That discipleship group. That, that one another partner. Now understand, they're not there to fix you. You're going to fix yourself. They're there to help you. And if you're that one in that relationship, don't feel it on you to say, I'm there, i got to fix them, i got to fix them. It's, they're not getting fixed. It's my fault. Don't feel that. Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 says, Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. We got to carry our own load and then we can take pride in our growth because I'm not comparing myself to you or you or you. I'm comparing myself to me. And as Phyllis said, and I'm making progress. And I, that's, that's good. That's all I need in increasing measure. Helping with each other's burdens, but carrying our own load and having that in mind. So, guys, if, if we're here today and we've got to wrap up, uh, we've got a couple of other things, but our time is up, and I want to be respectful to your time. I want to be respectful for the awesome brothers and sisters downstairs taking care of the kids uh, in, in their time. If you do not have an established one-another relationship right now, let Phyllis and I know. Our emails are in that opening little article in your workbook. I don't have a defined one-another relationship. I want one. We've had some trouble just trying to figure out where everybody's at in the church. Okay, we've had some trouble trying to define that. Uh, so we're asking everybody, if you want to, let us know. We will try to help you figure this out. We're not going to assign, but we will help matchmake, if you will, you know, with different people and, and kind of have a clearinghouse for information. And we can work together to take our church to the next level of maturity. We can build one another up. We can go deeper and become more Christ-like in our lives with one another. I want to thank uh, Miss Phyllis for her heart and her uh, uh, vulnerability. I want to thank Josh and Michelle. Josh for printing this up and everything, even though he was on his deathbed sick and everything else. Yeah. I want to encourage you to let Stanley disciple you on taking a nap on Sunday afternoon. You may need to do that, bro. He, it sounds like he's got a great plan for that. So you can do that. Amen. What we're going to do now is, is, is wrap on up. Uh, I'm going to have the worship team come on up. What song are you going to do? Because we've skipped about three. So love one another. Love one another seems to be an appropriate closing song. And then uh, I want to encourage your parents to go on down and, and, and get your kids as soon as possible. Everybody else, stick around. Let's go ahead and stand up and let's sing this song together.